CCC family, we are so excited that you're joining us this weekend. Happy May. We are so excited that spring is here and summer is just around the corner. My name is Andrea and this is Amy. And again, we're so excited to have you joining us. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It is communion weekend, which means that if you are at home, it is a good time to grab some crackers and juice or whatever elements you have at home that Daryl will be leading us in communion at the end of service. So just be ready for that. Here at CCC, we are striving to be a church of generous people who honor God by loving each other and serving our neighbors. And there are so many ways for us to be generous. Um, one of those is through our giving. So we wanna invite you to be generous um, through that. An easy way to do that is to text CCC Rochester to 77977. Or if you're with us in person, there are offering boxes at the back of the auditorium and you can just put your offering right into that. Now, one of my favorite weekends of all time is coming up and that is baptism weekend. On May 15th and 16th, we are so excited to be able to celebrate um, with many individuals who are choosing to take this next step in their faith. We actually had so many people sign up that were not only just having it after the 1030 service, but we're also going to be having baptisms after the 530 service on Saturday as well. And if that's something that you're still interested in, we still have um, some more time for you to sign up. So Monday, this Monday is the deadline for that. So if that's something you're interested in, if the Lord is prompting you to take that next step, you can head to the CCC website to get more information on signing up. Now my favorite week of the entire summer is Vacation Bible School. I cannot wait to be able to bring that back to you guys and your kids and your families, and it's a great outreach opportunity. The week of July 18th to the 22nd, we will be holding our Vacation Bible School. And Ms. Andrea and I are excited to teach your kids teach them more about Jesus and have them have an opportunity to accept Jesus into their hearts. It's going to be so, so fun. So look for the signups that is going to be um, starting here in May. It's going to be an absolute blast. Now, as we enter into this time of worship, we just invite you to come before the Lord offering your praise. He is so worthy of all that we have to give. So no matter what's going on in your life right now, just come before the Lord um, lifting his name high because he is so worthy of all of our praise. Thank you guys so much and have a great week. Hey church, we'll stand to our feet as we worship our God today. Let's lift our voices to him today. So when I fight, I 
Cry. 
and lifted above all. We want to give you our hearts and our souls and our minds tonight, God. And we just want your name to be honored and glorified today, God. Whether that's here with our worship, with our singing and our praise, God, or that's us going into your word to learn more about you and to grow deeper with you, God. Whatever happens here in this place, God, my prayer is that your name will be lifted high and magnified, God. We give you this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all, go ahead and take a seat. Hey, can we thank the worship team for leading us today? It is great to see you. If I don't know you yet, my name is Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. Happy May. Yeah, so I did something crazy today, y'all. I, um, I took the uh, snow the snow brush ice scraper thing out of my car, put it on the shelf. Um, I know, don't tell me about the May 2nd snowstorm that happened however long ago, like, it, we're, 
we're just past it. So we're gonna be done with all that. Hey, one of the cool things that happens at the beginning of May, um, National Day of Prayer is on Thursday of this week. And so I um, wanna invite you to participate in that. If you're on social media, you will see stuff about it so that you can engage. One of the things that we're doing here, we're putting the cross out in the parking lot. This is something that we've done off and on throughout the pandemic, basically, and uh, love for you to come up here and pray in the parking lot. You don't need a reservation. You don't need anything, worry anything about like that. So um, come on up and pray, whether you're in person or you're online with us. We'd love to have you out there in the parking lot praying for our church, praying for our country. So it's a great week to be engaged in that. And, um, you know, we're a church that prayer's important to us. Really, the kind of the language that we use is we, we aspire for prayer to be a first thing for Christ Community Church. And, and to that end, I wanna talk with you about prayer today. We're in this series where we are asking a really important question about the promises that Jesus made. We're asking the question, what if he does? You know, we've got these incredible promises made to us in the Bible, and, and to help spur our faith I think it's healthy to look at these promises, explore them a little bit, and then, and then what if Jesus actually does what he said he would do for us? And so the promise that we're gonna be talking about today is a, it's a promise connected to prayer, and it's a, this, is a, this is a big one. And so I've, I've been really excited about this one. I've to spend time with you. I, I, I think this is gonna provoke some of us in some really good ways, and so, um, this promise is made in, it's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 through 16. And what I'd like to do is just read some of these verses for you. If you have a Bible, you can follow along with me. Um, if not, these verses will be on the screen for you, so that's okay. John 14, starting in really in chapter 13, so, so there's four chapters there of John that this is Jesus' last words to his followers before he goes to the cross. It's called the upper room discourse is what scholars call it. And so he and his followers were in the upper room. And um, this is where communion comes from. This is where he gave us the celebration of communion. This is, this is the last time Jesus had his, his 12 with him. And these are final words. So the things that he says in these moments, have, they have that kind of weight to them. And so as he's talking then through some different things, Starting in John 14, verse 12, he tells them, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And if you kind of, Bounce over to chapter 15, verse seven. Jesus says, kind of following some themes, he says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Then turning the page, going down a little bit in chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. You did not choose me, but I chose you, Jesus says, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you, he says. And then a little farther down to chapter 16, verses 23 and 24, 
Jesus says, in that day, and he's talking about the day when he ascends to heaven, in that day you will no longer ask me anything, because he's gonna be gone. He says, very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked for anything in my name, because this was new to them, it's not new to us, but until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So I'm fascinated by this. Because six times in this one conversation, Jesus says, whatever you ask of me, or whatever you ask in my name, I will give that to you. So, so Jesus is, like his public life, his public ministry was about three years. He didn't say that six times in three years. He said that six times in one evening. Again, the course of one conversation, the last conversation with his followers, his closest followers, he said to them, hey, things are about to change. I'm going to the cross, I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it for you. And this, this conversation, I mean, not only is it like the last conversation Jesus had with his guys, so it's kind of got that deathbed importance to it, when the apostle John, who was there, he's one of those guys who's in the room. When he's recording all of this under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he's recording all of this, this, this one conversation gets about 20% of, of what he wrote down about Jesus' entire life. Of all the things that he could have written about what Jesus said and did, he gives about 20% of what he wrote to this one conversation. So this is a tremendously important conversation. And in this one conversation, Jesus says six different times, hey, whatever you ask in my name, I will give it to you. It feels like he means it, right? I mean, it just, it just feels like he wants us to know this and to hang on to this, that he means this one, that whatever we ask in his name, he'll give to us. So, so that's the promise, we're talking about these promises that God makes to us that you have, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have this promise from him that whatever you ask the Father in his name, he will do for you. And so we need to talk about prayer today. So, so really the question for me is we start to kind of stir on this, like this is an incredible promise, but what is it? What does it mean? What kind of promise is this? So I got, I got a few options for us to just to kind of walk through a little bit. First one is just... Is this promise a blank check? It kind of reads like a blank check. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. Is this promise a blank check? All right, so if you're taking notes with me, my answer to that is kind of. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a blank check. Um, most blank checks are written by somebody who's trying to make up for being distant. If you just think about that, if you, if you think about God as our heavenly father, a, a father who writes blank checks for his kids is trying to make up for something generally. So this is not that kind of blank check. I mean, this isn't, this isn't a silent partner. This isn't an absent dad. This isn't that kind of blank check. But this is your heavenly father looking at you and saying, hey, if you ask me for help, my answer to you is yes. So is it a blank check? Well, not, I mean, it's, 
Not in one way, but in another way, yes. In another way, this, this is your heavenly father saying to you for sure, if you, if you need me and you invite me in, you ask me for help, I'm gonna help you. Whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it for you. So is it a blank check, kinda? Um, second question is, um, is this a contract with fine print? See the fine print on the screen, isn't that clever? Um, yeah. So this is a tricky one for me, because um, this one is the view. This view is promoted in a lot of like, in a lot of the books I've read about prayer. Um, I kind of used to hold this in some of the early sermons that I preached about this topic and this promise that Jesus made. If I go back and read some of the stuff I wrote and said listen to some of the stuff I said back in the early days, I was kind of promoting this view. And um, really what this view says is, if you wanna, like Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I'll give to you, but that's not really what he meant. I mean, I mean he meant that, but he didn't really mean that. To understand what he really means, you gotta read the fine print. And to read the fine print, you've gotta got look at some of, the, some of the verses that I read for you, but really you've gotta to go to other places of the Bible to get the fine print. And, and so, like, if you'll let me, we'll just, let's just blow up the, um, let's blow up the fine print there. Because, you know, we can't, we can't malign Jesus and say that he didn't mean what he said, but we don't have experience of just whatever we ask him for, he gives to us. So we, so we come up with this view, and here's the fine print, and um, those of you who don't know, I have legal training, so, you know, I spent a few minutes writing fine print for you. Um, so here's the fine print. Ask, you know, whatever you ask in my name, it will be yours. Promisor, that's Jesus will be obligated to perform on his promise only if and when the following conditions are met. So the promisee, that's you and me as the people who received the promise. The promisee remains in the promisor and the promisor's words remain in the promisee. We read that in John 15, seven. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask whatever you want. So, so there's that remain. The promisee asks in faith from James chapter one, um, James talks about if you don't ask in faith, you're not gonna get anything. And on top of that, the promisee asks with pure motives, because James talks about that as well. And the promisee asks according to God's will, which is 1 John chapter five. And here's like the promisee, the, the rest of the fine print, if the promisee fails to ask in accordance with each and every one of the aforementioned terms, Promisor will not be obligated to perform on the promise, and any performance by the promisor will be voluntary and at his sole discretion. Any voluntary performance by the promisor does not obligate the promisor to perform on any future request where the promisee fails to comply with the terms of this paragraph. Right? You heard that sermon? Like, is, is, this a, is, this a, is this a promise where, where you and I, as the people who have received this promise, have to somehow measure up? I'm gonna give a hard no to that. Like, that's just a hard, that's a hard no, because, because understanding these things this way, 
that creates try harder Christianity. You know, you didn't get an answer to your prayer, you gotta try harder. You gotta try harder, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta work harder at remaining in Jesus and his words remaining in you. Like you gotta, you gotta screw up some more faith in your life somehow. You gotta, you gotta be looking at your motives and purifying those motives before you bring a request like that to the Lord. I, it's just, just try harder and if you're like me, that try harder thing, I've tried really hard at this deal at different points in my life and try as I may, I never really seem to make it. This, this idea of this promise that Jesus has given to us as a contract with fine print, you read the fine print and you just wanna like throw up your hands and say, I can't, I can't meet that. Can't, I might be able to get over one or two of those bars, but I can't get over all those bars. And if, if that's what's required in order for Jesus to, to do what he said, then I'm a fairly competent guy. I don't really, I'm not gonna waste a lot of time in prayer. I think I'm just gonna go give this my best shot. And that's the last thing that, that Jesus wants for you, that's the last thing that God your heavenly Father wants for you is to be throwing up your hands and saying this prayer thing is way too complicated, I'm, it's way too hard and the bar's too high and I, like, I can't get there so I'm gonna, like, that's the last thing he wants for you. So this, I, just, I don't buy this idea at all that this is a contract that somehow has a bunch of fine print that you and I have to figure out. So let me, let me tell you what I think this is, all right? This is, this is where I land on this. Um, this is a promise that promotes relationship. That's what this is, this is a promise that promotes relationship. I love what Paul Miller, it's a great book called A Praying Life, I would recommend it to you. Um, it was written a while back, but not so long ago, like it's readable. He says that Jesus wants us to tap in to the generous heart of his Father. Isn't that a great, like that promise Whatever you ask in my name, I will do for you. Jesus wants you to tap into the generous heart of his Father. And then he goes on, he says, all of Jesus' teaching on prayer in the Gospels can be summarized with one word, ask. Jesus wants us to tap into the generous heart of God, our Heavenly Father. That's what, this, that's what this promise is about. This promise is about our Father, our Heavenly Father is generous and he, he wants to and will meet our needs and so we have this constant encouragement from Jesus' life, from the teachings elsewhere in the scripture on prayer, from people who practice prayer and teach it to others and model it for others. Everybody looks at people like you and me and says, hey, you gotta ask. You ask. Whatever you ask for in Jesus' name, he will give to you. And so I wanna show you what I think is the most audacious ask in prayer in all of the scriptures. So if you've been around for a little while, this is a, it's a fairly familiar passage to you. If you haven't been around church much, um, I'm gonna read to you from Luke chapter 22, but what's going on here is this is that the long discourse, the upper room discourse we just read from in John 13 through 16, 17, some people include that. Um, right after that, 
because Jesus is headed to the cross, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane where he is under great duress. So much so, the Bible tells us, that he was sweating drops of blood. So he is, he is under duress, he is stressed, there's, there's anxiousness in his heart, and he, he takes that in prayer, and in Luke 22, verse 40, here's his prayer. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Okay, so for those of you who know the next sentence, don't go there with me yet, right? Don't go, let's not go to the next sentence. We don't, there's a semicolon right here and we do not know how much time this semicolon covers. So, so Jesus, Father, if you were willing, take this cup from me. You know what he was asking? So the Bible calls Jesus the lamb who was slain before the foundations of the earth. So there's, there's this eternal plan that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have had from eternity past. There's this eternal plan that they have had for the redemption, the salvation of sinful human beings that involves Jesus becoming human, coming to our earth, living a sinless life, dying a sinner's death, rising again from the dead. And for the last 30-ish years, Jesus has, like from eternity past, and then for the last 30-ish years, Jesus has been living out that plan, and now the night before it comes to its crescendo, Jesus is on his knees talking to the Father and saying, hey, can we hit the brakes on this thing? Can, could I get out of this? That's, like, that's the ask. Could we, would you stop would you stop this plan that we've had in place since forever? That's a huge ask. That's a huge ask. This is, this is not just some, this isn't just some little bit of stirring and, and hey, could, like, you know, could I find a parking spot because I'm running late? This isn't that. This is... Could we, do, could we do something different here? Could we do something different here? And what, I, so if you, if you can feel what might be going on, just if you can try to feel what might be going on in Jesus' heart, then can you imagine what's going on in God the Father's heart in that moment? To watch your son your one and only son who has been with you and whom you delight. He is perfectly obedient, heading towards the cross and, and what he is facing, what he is about to endure is so much for him that he's now asking you, could we, is there a different way? Can I, can I get out, like could we stop this? Is there a 
Can you imagine that? And, and what that deep communion must have been like between father and son in that moment. And I think, I think it's that deep communion between father and son that leads to the next statement. If, and for those of you who know, you're with me, but those of you who this is new to you, here's what Jesus says. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Big, audacious Man, a huge ask. Is there, a, is there a different plan? I know this one's been in place since eternity past and we've been a big yes on this together all the way through, but if there's a different way, will you take this cup from me? Yet not my will, but yours be done. Because prayer and asking in prayer is all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Jesus looks at his, his closest followers, knowing that they're gonna write it down so that people like you and me get to read it and live in it and live from it, and says, whatever you ask, Father, in my name, I will give it to you because he wants to draw you into relationship. He wants to he wants to draw you into that deep communion with the Father. He wants you to tap into the generous heart of God. So you get this, come on, come to me, talk with me about what you want and need and whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm gonna give it to you. And what's amazing to me, I think Jesus, I think that moment in the garden is in Jesus pouring out what he really wanted. No, no, um, no religious fluff on it. No fear about God somehow being upset with him or disappointed or, or mocking him in some way because of what he really was asking for. I mean, Jesus, Jesus was transparent and vulnerable with his father about what he really wanted and there's this deep meeting that happens and Jesus makes this final, like he makes that next statement and because he said those next words, not my will but yours be done, like what he wanted was the Father's will to be done. Out of that deep communion and what you and I get out of that is rescue. But he wasn't afraid to ask what was real, what was really happening in his heart. So, so I think we ought to take Jesus at his word. I think we ought to say that like, this is a relational promise, this is a promise that's designed to draw me into the heart of God, to tap into his generosity, to tap into his fatherhood, to tap into his leading, to tap into the good gifts that he wants to give to me. And like, what, if, what if Jesus really, like, what if I really can ask God for what I want and need? What would my life be like if I would just say, hey, you know what, if I ask for this, I'm gonna receive it, what if I would just become a person who was bold and audacious in the way that I talk to God in my prayers? So look, I have a few things for us here. If, if you would take Jesus at his word, here's some things that you'll discover. And I'll just point this out because that fine print was 
so hard to read from that contract. These are actually the things that if you write them like fine print, they become hurdles. These are, these are invitations. They're not, a, they're not a hurdle to get over. They're not a bar you have to, to achieve, like climb over. These are invitations to, to the heart of your father. So, so the first thing, if you take Jesus at his word, you'll discover that asking God for what we want and need is part of remaining. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you, that remaining thing. Asking for what you want and need is a huge part about remaining. Our, one, of the, one of the words that, that most characterizes our relationship with God is dependence. We're supposed to be dependent on him. Our first parents, their big sin was independence. They said, no thanks, we got it. We'll, we'll follow our own rules, we'll figure this out. And they let it, independence from God doesn't take you, doesn't take you anywhere good. And, and so asking God for what you want and need is part of remaining in Jesus so that in this pulling you into relationship, he's, he's helping you accomplish what's best for you. So, so people who, who actually take Jesus at his word discover that asking for what we want and need is part of remaining. Second, it's an exercise of faith that leads to greater faith. One of the one of the hardest statements to read, if you read it wrong, in all of scripture is you gotta ask believing that you're gonna receive it. I, I don't, I mean, it's, that's hard for me because how much faith do I have to have here, you know? Um, how much faith do I have to have? How much is enough? How, how firmly convinced do I have to be that God's gonna show up and do this for me when do I hit enough on that? When do I hit the hurdle? And so, but prayer is, prayer is an act of faith. It is. Prayer is an act of faith. Whatever that prayer looks like for you, prayer is an act of faith. You have, you have engaged someone that you cannot see who is outside of our existence but at the same time lives within us and even if you're just whispering a prayer for a parking spot because you're late, that is an act of faith that you would ask God to step in and do something for you. Wherever you are on this prayer thing, like don't, don't believe any lies and don't belittle yourself that somehow you don't have enough faith to be able to pray to ask God for what you want and need. The Bible tells us that faith is a gift from God. Fortunately for you and for me, we don't have to, like, we don't have to work up a bunch of faith before we can do something. It's not like cardio, you know? Like you start, you don't have to work it up. Like God gives you faith and you get to exercise it. And as you exercise it, your faith grows. So maybe it is kind of like cardio. But as but he gives you the faith that you need to be able to ask him for what you want and need. 
You, the faith is in there. It's in there. So you just, like, it's okay. Wherever you are in this deal, wherever you are in this deal, if, if, it's, if it's praying for a parking spot or if it's praying to get pregnant, for somebody sick to be healed, like it, wherever you are in that, if, if, you, if you exercise faith, as you exercise your faith, faith grows. So, so prayer is an act of faith, always. Third thing, taking Jesus at his word in prayer, asking God for things is one of the main ways we find out our true motives and that God uses to purify our mixed motives because they're always mixed. I, I, so I'm saying that like it's an accusation. I'm just saying, I'm confessing because they're always mixed. Pray for the, I don't know, I was praying on the way in here today. Lord, like, you know, do something amazing in all of this and I have to like, okay, but I'm asking, like I'm talking about this. Do I want something amazing to happen because I want you guys to be thinking about Daryl in the sermon or because I want something awesome to happen in your life? I mean, you know, you, we get that. It's, our motives are always mixed and you hold what you want in front of God in prayer and you keep going back to him with what you want in prayer. I promise you, he will, he will affirm you for where you are, where your motives are pure and he will challenge you where your motives are, are selfish, he, he will do that. And it's, it's that staying before him in prayer with what you want and what you need that he, that he helps you figure out where you are and what you need to turn loose of and what you need to, like, to hold on to more tightly. That's how like this, staying before the Lord in prayer is one of the main ways that God that he, our hearts get checked and our motives get purified. And then there's this fourth thing, and this is what you'll discover as a person who asks in prayer. Um, prayer is talking with your Father who has a generous heart. Going back to that quote from a little while earlier, Jesus gave us this promise to tap so that we could tap into the generous heart of our Father. It's one of the things that Jesus said in different place, when he, but he was talking about who God is. He was talking about prayer, and he said, um, he said, if, he was talking to earthly parents, and he said, if your child asks you for bread, would you give them a stone? And if your child asked you for fish to eat, <laughs> or to swim, maybe swim around, I don't know, um, would you give them a snake? course not, right? I mean, who's going to give a kid a snake? That's crazy. Um, I had a kid ask for a snake. We were not going there. I had, I had Bible to back it up. It's not what good fathers do. No, so, so if, you, if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. And if you ask for fish, for food, for sustenance, he's not going to give you a snake. What if we turn that around? So what if you and I, in our humanness, in our humanness and not, I mean, just with faith and, and from a good place, but just in our humanness, in our immaturity, because we're all immature in different ways, 
What if you asked God for a stone when what you really need is bread? What if you ask God, just in your immaturity, what if you ask God for a snake when what you really need is fish? I think you can turn this around. I think the principle's the same. He's a good father. He's, he's generous to you. And, and because you ask for a rock when you need bread, he's probably not gonna give you the rock because you need bread. He's probably not gonna give you the snake because you need fish. He's a good father. He knows that and he's generous towards you. And, and he invites you to stay in front of him asking for that crummy rock until you've had that deep heart-to-heart moment with him where you say, oh, not a rock, I need bread. This is a promise that draws us deeper into relationship with him. Whatever, whatever you ask, whatever you ask your father in Jesus' name, he's gonna do that for you and he's gonna lead you to the point where you are asking him for what he wants to give you and what he wants to give you is exactly what you need. And I'm saying that with such confidence because there's this, there's this one statement, it's in Romans chapter eight, it's verse 26, it's one of the verses I hold on to about prayer all the time. It's a confession, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Just an acknowledgement that we are prone to ask for rocks when we need bread. We don't know how to pray as we should, but God the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, he makes intercession for us and he prays for us. He translates, interprets, like he, and he leads us into praying for the things that the heart and mind of God want to give to us. And so you, you have this precious promise from the Lord that whatever you ask for in his name he will give to you. And if you're, if you're still kind of got some, wait a minute, what if, kind of rolling around, let me just, let me kind of move us towards communion here, but I just wanna show you this generous heart of God. It's a little later in Romans chapter eight, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him, graciously give us all things. Grace. Graciously give us all things. Whatever you need, whatever you ask for, in Jesus' name, the Father will give to you. He did not withhold his son. He met him he met him in that moment in the garden, deep heart-to-heart -heart communion, so that the son's prayer becomes not my will but yours, so that you and I could be rescued. 
So communion is about the generosity of God. It's that he's for you, that he loves you, that he withholds nothing good from you. And all of that wraps around this incredible gift of of forgiveness and life that come to us through Jesus' death on the cross, his being buried, rising again from the dead. He'll give us all good things. So what's gonna happen here in the next moment? The worship team's gonna sing this song, they're gonna sing it over us, it's a new song. I'd never heard it until we started prepping for this weekend. It's a beautiful song. So I'd encourage you just to, like, just to stay seated there and let, let the words of this song just wash over you. Probably some of them are gonna stir you a little bit, grab onto those, just hold them before the Lord in prayer. And then when they've finished singing, I'll come back and I'll lead us through the elements of communion. Jesus, my heart is clean. 
bread Jesus said this bread is his body which is broken for you communion is always a faith moment it's always a faith moment moment to it's a moment to tell God what you want what you need we all need forgiveness we all need life so he took this bread broke it, he told us, take it, eat it. This is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. So let's eat this together. After that bread, shortly before the garden, he took the cup, told him, told us, this is my blood, which is shed for you, for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. spare his own son but graciously gave him up for us how will he not along with him give us all good things can I pray for us will you guys bow your head and close your eyes with me Heavenly Father thank you it seems near enough, thank you for your generosity towards us. Jesus, thank you for 
pointing and leading us to the generous heart of our Heavenly Father. Really grateful for that deep moment in the garden. For your willingness, Jesus, to go to the cross. We have received so much because of who you are and what you have done. So we say yes to you. You're the faithful one. So as we lean into this promise you made, that whatever we ask in your name, it belongs to us, it's ours. Would you, would you draw us to the heart of our Father who loves us? for us. Would you stir up our faith? Would you, would you point out those answers to prayer that we might miss? Give us hope and joy that is full. We ask for these things, Jesus, in your name. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being with us. It's, um, it's good to be together. It's always good to be together. So you guys, as you head out into whatever's in front of you this week, you gotta leave here, you gotta log off knowing that, that God is, he's for you and that he loves you and that all of his resources are available to you if you ask. So I'm gonna give you this little acronym. I don't know where I got it. I saw it on a bumper sticker, probably. It's P-U-S-H. Pray until something happens, right? Because if you pray, something will happen. It'd be a good thing that happens. God bless you guys. I love you. It's good to be with you. We'll see you next week.